Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, this morning, we're going to start a new series. Y'all ready to start something new? All right, all right, all right. We start a new series called What Do I Believe? Y'all got to wake up in here. I ask questions. Y'all like, um, I don't know, Super Bowl, I don't know. We start a new series called What Do I Believe? What do I believe? And the premise or the reason behind why we're starting this series is because as a church, I've said this to you before, I don't want us to just grow wide where people are coming in these doors, which is happening People are coming into this church. They're coming from all over the city of Chicago. They're coming here and they're fellowshipping in a church sometimes for the first time. And, and then in a church that may be different in the fact that it's multi-ethnic, multicultural, and we preach Jesus here. But people are coming to this church, and I've been amazed by what God is doing. And I'm looking forward to the unimaginable things that he's going to do in 2020 through us personally and corporately. Aren't you? Y'all believe he can do something amazing? I believe God's up to something, right? Amen, amen. We got some clapping up in here. God is up to something. Believe that God is up to something, not only in this church, but in your life too. He wants to do something with you. He wants to use you for his glory. And I believe that, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do here in this church. But see, on the other hand, as I said, I don't want us to not just grow. I don't want us to just grow wide. I want us to grow deep. I want us to grow deep in what we know. I want us to grow deep in our beliefs. I want us to grow deep in what the Bible says. And as I shared last week in our vision, I want us not only to be a church that comes to church on Sunday and we fill the seats on Sunday, but I want us to know what we believe. And what I mean by that is that where if God saw fit to move you or send you someplace else, whether you're in Chicago or at your job or across the world, I want you to be able to say what Jesus did for you, what he did, what's the Bible say? I want you to be able to share your faith. I want you to be able to have deep roots. I want us as a church to be equipped to go out and be used by God wherever he may take us. But in order to do that, that means we got to know what we believe. So today we're going to start an 11-week series breaking down some core doctrines of the Christian faith. And now hear me, I'm not going to be able to preach about everything concerning the topic of doctrine that we're, we're preaching on or talking about that week. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to do Q&As throughout this whole series. We did one a couple weeks ago. We're going to do another one coming up on February 16th. So what I want you to do is I want you to text in your questions. Text in your questions to 224-216. 4062. It's on the screen. Text it in because if you don't text it in, I'm not going to guarantee that we're going to answer your question. But I want all of you guys to come there. I want us to have a place where we can dialogue and ask questions. It's a safe place to do that as we're diving into this together and exploring the scriptures. Also, during this series, I want to invite you to, and I implore you to do so. If you're not involved with a group here at Renewal, I want you to get involved in a group. I want you to jump in a group because that's another place where you'll be able to dive deeper into the scripture, into the sermon that's preached. You'll be able to dive deeper into fellowship with people, sharing meals and praying with them. So get in a group. There's one that's near you. We're all over the city. You can sign up online. You can do outside. You can email us. We're going to get you in a group, okay? 
Another resource that I would love for you to pick up during this series is a book called Christian Doctrine. It's by Wayne Grudem. You can write this down because I didn't put a picture. It's Christian Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. It's 20 core doctrines to the Christian faith. This is one that we're walking through as a staff. We walk through it, and some of the things we're going to be talking about come straight from this book, those different doctrines. There's a bigger one called Systematic Theology. If you just love looking at books, you can look at this. It's a huge one. This one is a, it's a small one, okay? I'll give you something small to put in your library, but it's good. I want you to be equipped. So it's called Christian Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. You can buy it. If you have trouble with that, please talk to me, and you want it. All right. But with all that said... Today we're going to talk about the Bible, theology, the Word of God. Why is this Bible right here important to your walk with God? Okay, so if you got your Bibles, go ahead and meet me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And once you have it, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand on your feet with me as we read the Word of God together. Again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 15 through 17. If you don't have a Bible, if you want one, they're out on the table. We get one for you. If not, it'll be on the screen. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Got it. All right, chapter 3, starting verse 15, the text says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted, acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. Remember that. Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The very words of God, amen. amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, the importance of the Bible. The importance of the Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness this morning. Lord, I just ask that, that you fill this room with your spirit, that you would be lifted up in this place, God, that you'd have your way in our midst. Father, we need to hear from you. So I ask that you decrease me so that you may increase. This is your church, your word. Let us hear from you. And it's in Christ's name we all said this together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Have you ever known something or believed something was true, but then you didn't live by it? I mean, you didn't follow that truth that you know was truth. You got something in your life, you know, you know something like that. It's like spending money you don't have, right? You know when you walked into that store, you didn't have the money to buy that new purse. You didn't have the money to buy those new shoes. Y'all looking at me stale-faced. I know y'all been there before. You know you didn't have that money, but you walked up into the store and that little voice in your head pushed you past the rationale of, I don't want to go into debt, but I really want this item. And so I, I, I guess I can swipe my credit card and I'll just pay it off next month, right? Y'all been there before, right? We've been there before. But the problem is, is that we don't know what problem or what need may arise next month, which is, is going to defer that payment on the credit card, and now we're sitting here with debt. 
But we knew not to do this. We knew not to swipe the credit card. We knew that we didn't have the money to begin with. We knew the truth. But yet we went ahead and we swiped that credit card and now we're sitting here with some lovely credit card debt. We've been there. Some of us there now, right now. But, but, but maybe that's not you, okay? But all of us in here, we were a kid at one time, right? We remember growing up. And you remember your parents told you not to do something, but yet you went ahead and did it anyway? Nah, you know you did that before. We, 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 our parents told us not to do something. We, had, we just did it anyway. We all been there. Now hear me, you know that you're not supposed to do what your parent told you not to do, but yet in our little sinful minds, we're like, mm, I'm going to do it anyway. I, I remember when I was, uh, I had to be about five years old. Hey, couldn't, couldn't have been any more than that because my father, he was still in the house. He hadn't got a divorce yet. He's still in the house, so he's about five years old. But y'all, I was a little bad kid. I mean, I used to just do whatever I felt like I could do. I, I felt like I owned the world. I was like, I'm going to take over. This little boy, I'm going to make everything. I'm going to do what I want to do. And uh, it was this one day where my, I had this teenage friend on the block in Gary. His name was Marty. Marty had a scooter. I know what the scooter is. He had not, not one of them, you know, razors. He had a real scooter, a, a moped where you get on it, you know, mopeds, it's not quite a bicycle, but it's a motorcycle. It's not a motorcycle. See, y'all not, I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. It goes about 40 miles per hour. And so I, I loved riding on this scooter. So we got on that scooter and we were riding throughout the day for hours throughout the day. And I'm having a ball. I'm having the time of my life with my boy Marty. And it's starting to get dark. And my parents, they say, come on in the house, Derek. It's time to come in the house. So I come in the house for a minute, you know, and I'm like, Mama, please, Daddy, please, can I go back outside? I'm begging them to get back on this moped. I want to ride this scooter. And, they, and my dad's like, nah. And I'm like, huh? No, nah, I'm having a good time. And so I listen for the moment. And then somewhere along the line, while dinner is going on, I just sneak out the house. I'm five years old. I sneak out the house. And... I go down the street to make matters worse to my friend Marty and I say, and I lie to him and say, they said, it's cool, Marty, let's go. And we get on the scooter, y'all, and I'm having the ride of my life. I'm, I, I thought it was amazing. We're riding in the wind. It's dark outside. And I'm not used to being out there because the street lights are on. You're supposed to be in the house. So some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm riding through the street with my boy Marty. We're having a good old time until I walk back in the house. And y'all, I can't tell you what happened to me because y'all might call CPS and tell them to go back in time to get me. Y'all don't know. This ain't, this ain't Chicago Public Schools. It's the, you know, Child Protective Services. I, I got to work whipping of my life but hear me just like with the credit card I knew that I was not supposed to do this I knew that if I do this there's going to be a consequence I knew the truth I knew they were looking out for me I knew that I shouldn't do it I did it anyway y'all ever done something that you know you should not do I mean, you know the truth, you know there's consequences, but you proceed anyway. You ever been there? And here's my point, family, in all of this. My point is that many times this is how we treat the Bible as Christians. We know what it says, but we refuse to live by it. We don't like what it says. We don't like how it makes us feel. So we skip over that part of the Bible or we say, man, God, he, there's no way he could have really meant that. 
No, no, no. And hear me, I, I, I will tell you one thing. God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake with you or with me. The Bible tells me that we're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. And if he didn't make a mistake with us, he's perfect. His word is also perfect because he's perfect. Hear me, we cannot process this word through how we feel or what we think is right. God's truth is his truth. See, and this is where Christians, we get in trouble many times. We struggle with taking God at his word especially when what it says is completely contradictory to what the world or society says is okay. We don't like that. How could God be so mean? Why is this God or that a sin? Why is this not acceptable? This is just what I do, this is where I am, why? And see, what we fail to understand is that when we follow truth and live by it, it's freeing and it's for our good. There's there's not many truths in the Christian faith. There's but one truth, and that truth is God's truth. His word right here, it's not ours, it's not yours, it's not mine, It's, it's God's. Wayne Grudem says it this way. He says it this way. Look at this screen with me. He says, if the Bible does affirm something contrary to fact, then it cannot be trusted. And if the Bible cannot be trusted, then God himself cannot be trusted. To believe that the Bible affirms something false would be to disbelieve God himself. To disbelieve God himself is to place yourself as a higher authority with a deeper, more developed understanding on a topic or topics than God himself. The Bible is the word of God. And we're going to talk more about that today, but not only is it the word of God, but it's what Christians are to live by. See, if we don't read these scriptures right here, if we don't read this Bible, we won't be able to know what God has for us. We won't be able to know him personally. We won't understand or experience forgiveness truly because we don't understand how we've been forgiven. See, the Bible is our spiritual food. It's spiritual food for our souls, if you want to say. To not take part in the daily meal of reading and drinking deeply from the word of God leaves one spiritually malnourished. But on the other hand, I know there's some of us in here that are saying, Pastor, this is my first Sunday. This is my third Sunday at church. I don't really know Jesus as my personal savior. I, I, I'm just, I'm here because I do want to know more about God. But why the Bible? Why, 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 why is the Bible? Why, why? It says some stuff I don't know about. Well, here, wherever you are this morning, whether it's a reminder of truth or if it's new for you, I want us to walk away understanding the importance of the Bible in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's jump into the text this morning. Our text today is part of Paul's, so to say, farewell letter to his son, his beloved son, Timothy, in the ministry. He's writing to him, and he's probably literally on his deathbed right now as he's writing this letter. And throughout the letter, he tells Timothy or gives him different directions and instructions on how to lead and encourages him to keep the faith. So in chapter 1, he tells him to guard this good deposit that you have been entrusted to, trusted with. He's talking about the gospel. He said, guard that good deposit, Timothy. Chapter 2, he says, take that deposit, that, that faith, and give it away to, 
other men, share your faith, make disciples, essentially, is what he's saying. And then in chapter 3, where we get into our text today, he begins by saying, beware of godlessness. People who twist the truth, people who love money and everything else but God. And this leads to our text today because Paul says, instead of being wrapped up in all of that, follow what I have taught you. Follow the word of God. Verse 15, he tells Timothy that the scriptures contain the explanation of God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. Listen, family, he doesn't say, I'm looking at it, trust what you feel for salvation. He doesn't say salvation can be found outside or contrary to the scriptures. He doesn't say there's multiple ways to salvation. He says that the scriptures lead to salvation in Jesus. His exact words are from childhood. Look at it, verse 15, if you got your Bible. He says, from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, what he's saying is that the scripture can lead to the knowledge of the truth. It has the power to bring the reader to the faith. Paul's saying, son, don't be fooled by all of these other truths that are floating around outside of this word. People or your feelings follow the word. Hear me. Christians can receive strength for the Christian walk from two different sources. Two different sources. First, they can observe other people, other people in the faith. They can see other believers. And the second source for the Christian is strength in their Christian walk is the word of God. It's the word of God. Now, we can all probably agree with the first one. Probably all agree with the fact that you can find strength for the Christian walk from watching other people because we've all had a mentor. We've all probably had some parents or people that we looked up into in our lives and we said, yep, I've got things from them. I've learned from them. So it's understandable to say that we learn how to walk in this Christian faith by watching other people. That makes sense, right? But then we get to the second one where it says, well, why the scripture though? Why is that important? How does this really bring me strength? This brings us to verse 16 and 17 of the text. And before we dive into those verses, Paul, in the beginning, he uses the word for scriptures. It's the Greek word graphe. Y'all go to school with me. Say that with me. Graphe. Graphe. Say it louder. Y'all, everybody didn't say it. Graphe. Graphe. That's the word for scripture. So he says this Greek word, graphe, which referred to all the biblical writings. So he's, he's talking about the scriptures. Paul begins and he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. Now, what does that mean, Pastor D? What are you saying? Follow me. This phrase where he says breathed out by God is just one big word in the Greek. It's theonoustos. I told you we're going to school. Say that. Theonoustos. You got it. Theo meaning God, neustos meaning breathe. God breathed out. Say God breathed out. God breathed out. And Paul, he uses this word. It's never used in the New Testament up to this point. So he's really trying to make the point clear. He does not say, notice, that men wrote it. See, although they're inspired through the Holy Spirit to write the words or pin the writings of these books down, he does not mention that men wrote it. Paul is trying to relay the divine origin of the scripture. He doesn't mention men at all. He talks about the writings themselves. It has come from God. He has inherently breathed out his character into the scriptures. 
it is all inspired by God. That's why you read texts like Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, and it says this. Some of y'all know this. For the word of God is living and active. It doesn't say it's dead and it's just paper. It says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of joints and of the marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Paul is trying to let the reader know that the Bible is not just some book that was written. This is the literal word of God that moves and works wonders in people's lives. This is why we read this. If you're a Christian, you read this daily because it works in your life. It moves. That's why I said, I challenged you guys a few weeks ago. I said, look, just read the Bible 15 minutes a day. Just start 15 minutes a day. Watch it move and work in your life. Watch your life begin to change. Watch your thoughts begin to change. Watch your life begin to change and and your motives and things begin to change because you're reading the word of God. But some of y'all know don't believe me with that, do you? The Bible works. But I know some of y'all still like, I don't know. Look at this clip with me. Uh, uh, There was a study that was done by the Center of Bible Engagement. So watch this clip just a minute by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80 and they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. They weren't even looking for this and this is kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. Um, When we're in the Scripture one time a week and that could be church on Sunday. That's pastor saying you open your Bible, we hear the message, one time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week, negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map, like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. But here was the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. You would expect that it'd be one, two, I mean, there'd be a gradual incline on the effect and impact that would have in your life, but it was literally one, two, three, four, something radically happens. Okay, you got my curiosity. To this extent. What kind of behavior is being affected? Feeling lonely drops 30%. Wow. Four times a week in the Bible. Four times a week in the Bible. Okay. Anger issues drop 32%. Uh, Bitterness in relationships, marriage, a relationship with your kids, and so on, drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that, that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question, how much time are you spending in Scripture? If they're in the Scripture four times a week or more, it drops 60%. Wow. Viewing pornography drops 61%. That's very important. Now, on a flip positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200%. Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's word. And then discipling others jumps 230%. That's, That's amazing right there. There was a... Man, that's amazing, right? Hear me. The Bible works. God works. Read it. Drink deeply. See, we see the scripture work in our lives. When we understand and believe that the, div- the divine nature of the scripture, this is why in this passage, Paul goes on in verse 16, he says in the scripture, it's profitable for teaching. 
is profitable for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, let me break this down a bit. First, he says, it's useful for teaching. This suggests that the scripture is a positive source of Christian doctrine. So what he's essentially saying is that this Bible here is where you learn how to be a Christian. This is why we preach from it every week. This is why we teach from it every week. That's why I'm urging you as believers to jump in your Bible. Paul moves on and he says the second use for scripture is rebuking. Now this lets us know that the scripture can be used to rebuke or expose the errors of false teachers. It also may refer to reproof in our personal lives. Now hear me, whether that reproof is personal or doctrinal, scripture can show sinners their failures. It can clarify the point of the mistake, but at the same time, it leads a person to a new sense of peace and wholeness in their life. We cannot miss this. I do not want you to miss this because there's a whole bunch of so-called Christian doctrines that are floating around in society. Name it and claim it, call it and haul it. Yes, I'm talking about that right now. There are all around, hear me y'all, I need to correct some. We cannot claim nothing in Jesus' name and make it come to pass in our own strength. Because here's the reality, you can claim all you want. I claim that in the name of Jesus, you can do that. But if Jesus don't want it for you at that time, you ain't gonna get it. And you may walk around claiming and be all sad and lonely because Jesus didn't show up in the way you wanted him to. And, that, and, and here, try this. Try seeking the scriptures and reading and reading about the plan he has for your life and what he wants there instead of what you want. Friends, we have to know God's word in order to point out false doctrine. And we also have to know the word in order to experience right conviction in our life, in our sin. Or mess. Hear me. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll make you spend, stay longer than you want to stay, and it'll make you pay way more money than you want to pay. It's expensive. And here's the truth. In almost every single struggle with sin, there is this place where we, if, if there's this place where we can't experience freedom, this place where we feel like we can't get out of it, there's always a lack of Bible reading. There's, a, there's this, this lack of intimacy with God. Hear me, we will keep running to all these other places for satisfaction if we do not get it from the word of God. We don't get it from him, we're gonna go all the places. Paul says, thirdly, scripture's for correcting because not only does it rebuke us, but it can correct us. It can lead us to restoration back to God. And lastly, he says it's used for training for righteousness. Now, this correlates or points to the system of discipline used by a parent to develop Christian character in their child. It describes a system of discipline in Scripture that leads to a holy lifestyle. Basically, he's saying, as I told you the other week and you just heard in the video, we can't just read the Bible once a week and then expect change. It doesn't happen that way. We, we need to read it every day. We need to be disciplined in reading the scripture, which leads to holiness. But I know there's some of us saying, well, Pastor D, aren't there some mistakes in the Bible? Aren't there some approximations? Aren't there some inconsistencies and in names? And I mean, scripture can't all be true. Now, so, so, so how does it lead to my holiness? 
Family, this is why Paul emphasizes that Scripture is God-breathed, which means that it's inerrant. It's infallible, meaning it's incapable of error, without error, no mistakes or freedom from error. Why? Because God is perfect. So his word is perfect. I know, I know, well, men wrote it. Men, men wrote it. Well, hear me, even if men wrote it, they were fully inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit in their life from God. Now, with that, I got two things for you that I really want you to be careful of as you walk this out and you get, dive more into your scriptures. I want you to be careful with this. Number one, I want you to be careful because just because someone says they believe the Bible, that does not make them a Christian. That does not make them a Christian. There are some cultic religious groups out here that believe all of the Bible, but at the same time, they don't believe the deity of Jesus. They don't believe in his work. They don't believe what he did on the cross, but they, they know the Bible through and through. That is not Christian. So hear me again. We got to know our Bible in order to point out falsehoods and, 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 and certain proclamations that may not be true. You cannot be a Christian and not accept the full word of God because it's God-breathed. It's his word. Like Grudem said, it's, it's like not accepting God fully if you don't accept his word. Secondly, we got to beware of how we use truth. I need y'all to hear this. We got to beware of how we use truth. We are always to share truth in love. Which means that because someone is different than you or is in some type of sin that you see in the Bible or they may believe different than you, hear me, Christians shouldn't just shove truth down someone's throat. But on the other hand, we also shouldn't bend it to make it malleable to fit somebody's life either. There's a tension there. We don't like to live in it. Some of us were here last anniversary, on the fifth anniversary, when Pastor Rich talked about him being a pastor. And he talked about he and his wife being really good friends with two lesbians. He talked about this. Now, this Bible, and he shared this with us, this Bible this Bible that I preach from, this Bible that he preaches from, the Bible that I believe fully through and through talks about any relationship outside of a man or a woman in a marriage relationship, especially sexually, is sin. But hear me, that does not mean that Christians are to shun or look down upon the LGBT community. That, that, that's not what we're talking about here. It also doesn't mean that you, you bend it to make it fit, but what we're called to do is love. Now, Pastor Lurich showed his, he shared his testimony with us and he, he talked about how when they're spending time together, one day the, one of the ladies asked, well, what do you believe? And he said, well, who are, what do you do for your occupation? He said, I'm a pastor and I believe the Bible through and through. And I'm a Bible preaching pastor. And she said, well, that means you don't believe in my lifestyle. He said, yeah, that's true, but we can still eat dinner. And, and guess what? Night after night, guess whose house they were eating dinner at? At his table. Guess who was sitting on the front row of his church weekend after weekend? Those two ladies. Guess whose son he was asked to mentor? Those two ladies. And the son became a believer. All because he just loved. He shared his life with them. Family, hear me, Ephesians 4.15 tells us to hold and share truth in love, which does not mean to shove it down someone's throat or to bend it to make it fit. 
Christian, I need you to hear me. You can love a person with different convictions and do life with them without being forceful with the gospel or truth or bending it. You can do that. It's possible. And I say this because historically, Christians, we have swung the pendulum way too far to the right or way too far to the left. We swing it all the way over here and we say, no, 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 that's sin. And you, you hate people. And then we swing it all the way over here and we say, well, you know, we are, we're going to bend it up. We're going to make it fit someone's lifestyle. We're going to make it work for us. Hear me. If you being a Christian, don't miss this. If you being a Christian can love without swinging the pendulum to extremes, Sadly, most likely, you will show people Christianity they've never seen before. Now hear me, some of, for some of you, this is new. For some of you, this is very hard to even accept. Why should I share my life with people that are different than me? Man, why do I have to accept that? Why does the Bible say these different things? Hear me, why do you have to share your life with people that are different than you? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. None of us in here were like Jesus. He was sinless. We were sinful. And guess what? Jesus sat and he ate with sinners. At the table with them. And he didn't get rid of his convictions. He didn't bend the truth. He didn't let his feelings... Or society changes beliefs, but yet he loved people. And through that, people desire to know him. Christian, hear me. Don't swing the pendulum way too far to the right or to the left. Work on managing this tension of loving your neighbor well while still standing firm on truth. There's a tension. I challenge you. I know some of you are like, well, where, do I, where do I start with this? Simple. Start at your dinner table. I tell you this all the time. Start at your dinner table. Does your ten, what does your dinner table look like at night? Is it the same people eating around the dinner table that you're comfortable with all the time? Change that dinner table up. Invite people into a space. That's an intimate space. Invite them into a space where they can really get to know you and you can get to know them. This means sit with people who don't look like you. Sit with people who don't vote like you. Sit with people who don't walk, eat like you, and, and sit with people that don't have the same sexual orientation, et cetera, on down the line that are different than you because that's what Jesus did for us. If he didn't cross that line with us, we would not be here. We wouldn't be in church. Y'all, he was holy. We were sinful. And he didn't just eat with us. He died for us. I'm not even, I'm not telling you to die. I'm saying have a meal. <laughs> Hear me, you don't have to change. Neither do the person that you're sitting with. They don't have to change either. If God wants to work, hear me, he don't need you. If he wants to work, he will work. But that begins with us loving our neighbors, nervous neighbors and doing life with other people. But at the same time, holding tightly to truth. Our passage ends by saying that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, this word that, everybody say that. That, that word that right there in the beginning of verse 17 refers back to verse 16 where we just talked about and he talked about this scripture being God breathed and how it's good for teaching and rebuke and correction and righteous living. 
Then he says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is Paul saying here? Paul in this verse specifically is talking to Timothy about leading. He, he's talking about being a leader of the church and he's saying that if Timothy, don't miss this, abides in the scripture, he will be prepared for whatever God might do or want to do with him. Let me say that again. He's saying to Timothy, here, here, if you stay in the scripture, if you nurture your spiritual life this, through the scripture, that same scripture that you're reading, he will use in your ministry. And if he does these things, he will be full fully qualified and prepared to undertake whatever God has for him. Now, why is that important to us? We're all not leaders in the church. Why is this important to us? One commentator said it this way, do not miss this. He says, what a tragedy for any Christian to be able to be, to, to, to be labeled as spiritually unprepared for a task when the means of instruction and preparation are readily at hand. Let me say it again. What a tragedy for any Christian to be labeled as spiritually unprepared for a task when the means of instruction and preparation are readily at hand. The Bible. Family, hear me. We are believers in here. If not believers, believer or not, hear me, we have been given the God-breathed word of God, the Bible, on how we are to live and to glorify God. It's our choice to read it and drink deeply of the truth. It's our choice to read it in order to walk in a manner worthy of being called a son or daughter of the Most High King. Christians hear me, cannot fully live called by God if we do not know the word of God. Your life as a Christian will always simply be incomplete. You will feel incomplete all the time. There's a reason that the Christian, as you saw in the video, the Christian goes around and, and that, that's not reading the Bible feels lonely. The Christian feels sad, feels depressed, feels dissatisfied, on down the line, feeling everything but complete. Hear me, God did not call you to himself. He did not call you to himself as a son or daughter of his without giving you what you need to walk through this life, to glorify him and be equipped for every good work, everything that you are going to walk into your life. He didn't leave you alone. I mean, if, if that's what he did, family, look, he would be a bad parent. He'd be a bad parent. I mean, for real, all the parents in here, and, and, and emphasis on good, if you're a good parent, you're a good parent. That means that you're, you want your child to grow to maturity. You want that child to grow and do good in the world. And in order for them to do that, you're going to give them every tool, everything you have. You're going to pass along to them. You're going to try to give them everything they need to be the best they can be in this world, right? That's a good parent. God is the divine parent who calls you son or daughter when you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And then he leaves us with this love letter. And he says, here's my word. This will help you through the bad times. This will help you through the good times. This will help you walk according to what I've called you to so that you're complete and equipped, as Paul says. Friends, just as our physical bodies need to be taken care of and we do so by working out and eating well this bible right here this bible 
is to keep our spiritual lives nourished and complete, ready and willing to receive or do whatever God has for us. If we neglect to read it as Christians, it's detrimental to our souls and we will miss the love and the goodness of God. Again, as I said two weeks ago, some of you may be sitting there and saying, well, I don't know where to start. Hear me. Start in the Gospel of John. This is how I want you to do it. I just want you to pray before asking God to just illuminate, open your eyes to see his truth. Fifteen minutes, then read. Then afterwards, thank God for his truth. Journal if you need to. Write down some things. Spend 15 minutes, start there, and watch God move and work in your life. Watch him do good things in your life. Don't be like me in the beginning and know what you're not supposed to do and choose to go do it anyway. Look, read the word, drink deeply, and allow God to lead you in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you that even when we're not in the word and we're off, God, spiritually, you still love us. That our walk with you is not based off of anything we do. It's not how much we get this done or this and that, but it's based off your son dying on the cross for us. It's based off our faith. And then we work from a place of faith, Lord Jesus knowing that if we fail, we still succeeded because you did. God, so I pray that we make our home the foot of your cross, that we would drink deeply of the word of God and allow it to change our lives for your glory. May you be lifted up in our lives, not only today, but forevermore. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.